It's the JT The Brick Show. They get the snap off. Hand off Jacobs. Has the first down of the big hole. 15-10-5. Touchdown Raiders. Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Raiders bring a blitz. He is smothered and brought down. Max Crosby came around for the sack. Your silver and black home to sound off for over 20 years. Shotgun snap to Stidham. Lobs near corner for Adams. Makes the grab in the corner. Touchdown Raiders. An absolutely perfect pass. And Adams dragged his feet in the back left corner. And now, here's JT the Brick. Out of the gate, JT with you. A funny little story as we start off the show. I just finished three hours on Sirius XM, and I dropped off on the machine and dialed into Bobby, and I said, Bobby, are we good? He says, yeah, 90 seconds. So I just was jabbering for three hours on a lot of topics, and we got on the radio in time here. Again, thanks to Bobby, the technical whiz, as I open it up. I got two more hours to go, five hours in a row. It's not a hard job. I don't dig ditches for a living. I'm not a police officer or a school teacher. I love being on the radio, and I'm going to talk for another couple hours. So you want to help a brother out? You want to chime in with an opinion? Or I'll carry the load. We got a good show lined up for you, and I'm ready to roll. So 702-365-9200 if you want to get in. And we want to thank all of our sponsors also today and our partners because they helped us go to the Super Bowl. Last week, Harry Ruiz was in for me on Friday as I took my son to the Waste Management Open after a really fun time out in Scottsdale, Phoenix, Tempe, Glendale. And now that's a week ago, and it feels like it was yesterday for me. Because this week, as I put a bow on this week, brought to you by P.T.'s, Best happy hour in town, 5 to 7, midnight to 2. PT's fuels the monologue. This was a rough week. If you're a Raiders radio host, if you're in Raiders media, digital, television, if you interview the head coach like I do, this week sucked. Kansas City won the Super Bowl. How's that? In my world, that's a pretty big thing. Kansas City won the Super Bowl, and I had to talk about it. And I'm still not done, as we have the chief sideline reporter, who I know for a long time because of me doing some similar roles with the Raiders to wrap this up here. So Kansas City was the story of the week. Now today, Tiger Woods, Tiger looks good. I mean, this was an up and down day for Tiger, but it looks like Tiger's going to make the cut. We'll get you a leaderboard here in a minute. We got the Daytona 500, something that I love. That's going on. We got the XFL Vipers, the Vegas Vipers on Saturday. Rod Woodson, friend of the show. Russ Brandon, the president of the league. My college buddy. So good luck to them. But the lead story as we open it up, I have moved on from Derek Carr. And I knew Derek Carr, and I wish him well. But I got to talk about news with Derek Carr, but I'm not going to do deep dives on Derek and the Raiders anymore. I think that ship has sailed. I don't need to talk to you or you talk to me about Derek's legacy. I know what his legacy is, touchdowns yards and all that and that's all well and done but this is not going to be the Derek Carr show but it will have a little bit of Derek Carr until he gets another gig because that's really important that's a big topic nationally and I just talked about that for a little bit Derek Carr will visit the Jets this weekend that's the lead story at ESPN the lead on the scroll so we'll see what happens here and I think this is a really important topic and I can tie it in to the Raiders and Aaron Rodgers So here's the way I see this as we open up the show, and I'd like you to react to this, and I'll tie it in. Aaron Rodgers is the number one candidate for one team, not the Las Vegas Raiders, the New York Jets. Woody Johnson, the owner of the team, made it clear that he'll give up two first-round picks 
He said that. He was on the record saying they're all in on Aaron Rodgers. So if they get Aaron Rodgers with the Jets, Aaron Rodgers is not going to Vegas. Now, we don't know if Josh McDaniels wants Aaron Rodgers. I don't know. Do you? Anybody? None of us know. They're not, the Raiders aren't going to show us their hand on Aaron Rodgers because that requires a trade with Green Bay. So that is stealth, and that's under the radar. But it's not stealth and under the radar in New York. The Jets are saying that they want Aaron Rodgers. But here's the problem that the Jets have now. They might be able to get Derek Carr by the weekend. And if they can, if I was the Jets, I'd go in on Derek Carr because I think you could get Derek Carr and you don't have to pay the Aaron Rodgers price. You got me? You don't have to give up picks. You don't have to pay Derek Carr $60 million right out of the gate. You can do the deal with the Jets and have a fine quarterback, a very good quarterback, but he's not Aaron Rodgers. So if Derek ends up going to the Jets, that closes the door on Aaron Rodgers with the Jets and opens up less options for Aaron Rodgers. So I just talked about this with an insider an hour ago. I think what's going to happen is the Jets want to get final yes or no from Aaron Rodgers. So they're going to meet with Derek Carr on Saturday. And normally, back in the old Al Davis days, if Al Davis wanted you, he wasn't going to let you leave the building. One of the many things I loved about Mr. Davis, if he wanted you, you were not leaving the building. If you're a coach or a player, he's going to sign you. I don't think the Jets should do that with Derek Carr. What the Jets want to do is explore Aaron Rodgers first. And if they're able to get Aaron Rodgers, then you don't get Carr, and it's an upgrade. But what happens if Aaron Rodgers has no interest in the Jets, which I believe he has no interest, and they lose out on both They lose out both on Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers? What do the Jets do? Peter King was suggesting today that maybe the Jets go and make a move, a big blockbuster trade for Lamar Jackson. And I think Peter King's on to something for this reason. The Jets were willing to give up big picks for Aaron Rodgers. That means they're willing to give up big picks for Lamar Jackson, correct? The Raiders might be, you know, Dave Ziggler's got the seventh pick overall, okay, and and a lot of draft picks. If Dave wants to go after Lamar Jackson, which I would support, he's great, not good, he's 26, he's unbelievable, then you could use your draft equity to do that. So Derek Carr could be the first pillar to fall, or Derek can do something like Reggie White did. Remember how into God Reggie White was? So is Derek. Derek might say, hey, God's going to tell me where I'm going. I'm going to go visit everybody. And he's going to go to Indy, Carolina. He already went to New Orleans. He's going to the Jets. The Washington Commanders are still available for a visit. And this might take two weeks. But Derek Carr is the only quarterback available who can sign and doesn't have to wait. Okay, so that, that makes this advantage Derek Carr with these other teams. So every day when I come here on the show, it gets more and more complicated if you're into this quarterback topic. It is not easy because Lamar Jackson could be franchise tag, just like Josh Jacobs, our running back. Derek Carr can sign with anybody he wants. He's a free agent. Aaron Rodgers is the property of the Green Bay Packers, so he's not ready to say what he's going to do. He's got to get approval from Green Bay. If Green Bay doesn't want to trade him, he might retire I don't think he's going to retire with $60 million on the table. <laughs> Can you imagine Aaron Rodgers leaving $60 million in cash to go do what? Not married. He doesn't have kids. What, to golf? He's not going to do that. So we open up the show with Ian Rappaport. I always play his sound as he gives you the most recent update on the day when it comes to the quarterback situation potentially in New York. 
Now, this is all about deadlines, right? And Derek Carr does not need to make a deal until his deadline, which is basically the start of the tampering period. He wants a leg up on all the other free agent quarterbacks. He has got it. This is now his time to take some visits, talk to some guys, and see where it all ends. We know, as you mentioned, he has visited the New Orleans Saints. Sounds like that went very well. They are very much in the mix here. The Jets make sense, too, although it is obvious that Aaron Rodgers would be their top choice if they had their druthers of free agent quarterbacks. I mean, I think that would be the case for many Many teams, Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers, and I think Derek Carr knows that going into the visit. Rodgers is in the darkness. We don't know what he is going to do. So if Rodgers stays dark, I guess, or whatever, decides to not be someone who is going to be traded, then Derek Carr, I think, makes a ton, ton of sense for the Jets. So we will see if he ends up taking another visit after this before coming to his final. All right, so that's interesting. Ian Rappaport's wondering out loud what Derek, Derek Carr, here's what he's going to do. He's going to start the pendulum moving forward with the quarterback. I know you all agree with that. Uh, there's six or seven teams that won Carr. The Raiders did not. I think the Raiders did not want him for a multitude of reasons. They've seen nine years from ownership, everybody else. They've also seen last year in this McDaniel system, and they didn't want to pay Derek at the $40 million rate. I respect that. You don't have to agree with it. I'm just telling you what happened with Derek Carr. The chapter was over with this organization. Good, bad, ugly, whatever you want to say. He's gone. Now the question becomes, who are the Raiders going to get a quarterback? But there's no debate that Derek Carr is going to start the pendulum moving with the quarterback carousel. And I don't know if Derek likes that, if he wants to do it. He's, kind of, he's not very media savvy. He doesn't talk a lot. But he's got a lot of people, including his brothers, behind the scenes that like to kind of tell you what they think which a lot of people think he thinks and they say it. So either Derek Carr can go on this lap. It's not a victory lap. He's never won a playoff game. He's not going on a victory lap, but he has the ability to go out there and figure out what he wants to do next. And I respect that, and I know you do too. But that leads us back to the Raiders quarterback decision about Jimmy Garoppolo and all the other quarterbacks that are available, Mike Florio. Bobby, tell me when you have that again for our Friday audience. Mike Florio told us about Baker Mayfield or Mac Jones. And then Jason Cole, NFL insider, said there is a rumor going on, and Jason Cole you know, has contacts around the league, that maybe the Patriots want to trade for Aaron Rodgers. So you could look at that two ways, that the Patriots want out of the Mac Jones business. And I think that that's a fair topic, too, when it comes to the Raiders. Here's why. Mac Jones worked really well with Josh McDaniels. The second Josh McDaniels left that organization, Mac Jones is not working well. So people in New England who I've been texting with think they really believe that Josh McDaniels might like Mac Jones in the silver and black. I don't know if that's probable or not. But many Patriot insiders believe that Belichick would like to get out of Mac Jones, who's another top pick, a high pick overall. Uh, Baker Mayfield, when we talk about Jacoby Brissett, what I find fascinating about this quarterback offseason, everybody, is that the backup quarterbacks, and they're not backups, they're just backup behind Carr and Rodgers and Lamar Jackson, there's a bunch of good players. Sam Darnold is a good quarterback who played for some bad teams. You know I'm a Baker Mayfield fan. I'm a big Baker Mayfield fan. Baker Mayfield has had an interesting career already. He was number one overall. And let me throw one more quarterback out there just to get you going and lathered up with the quarterback show today. Zach Wilson of the Jets 
if Carr ends up going to the Jets or Aaron Rodgers or Lamar Jackson, they're not going to keep Zach Wilson as a bridge quarterback. He's gone because he's an alpha, even though he didn't play that way. So what they're going to have to do is they're going to have to trade Zach Wilson. He went number two overall in the draft two years ago. Number two. Someone's going to get him. So if the Jets get Derek Carr or Aaron Rodgers, why wouldn't Indianapolis go, give me Zach Wilson. I'll rebuild that kid, and I'm getting a number two pick overall. Or what about Jacoby Brissett? If the Raiders needed a bridge quarterback because they're taking C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young. And I think the Raider Nation would go crazy in a good way. If Dave Ziegler was able to get one of these top two quarterbacks, that would change everything with the Raiders going forward. I would lean more towards Aaron Rodgers because I think they could win quicker. But man, everybody would have to step off the break a bit if C.J. Stroud or Bryce Young were drafted by the Raiders. And we'd all agree the Raiders have to trade up to get that to happen. So those are some of the topics that we're talking about as we start off. Uh, Again, Mike Florio had a really big piece of sound in our interview earlier this week where I didn't ask him this. He just gave me this nugget of information. There's two names I'm watching, and it's not Jimmy Garoppolo either. Number one, will he try to trade for Mac Jones? Remember, at the end of the season, Bill Belichick was asked whether or not Mac Jones is going to be the starter for the Patriots next year, and instead of like rolling his eyes and and, and harumphing, he said he's proven he can play in this league. He didn't say Mac Jones is our starter next year. And Mac Jones did pretty well with McDaniels in 2021. The other guy to watch, a guy that McDaniels loved coming out of the draft in 2018, a guy McDaniels secretly worked out his days before the draft, even though the Patriots weren't in position to get him, and a guy that McDaniels got to stand on the sideline and watch come back from a 16-3 to deficit after two days with the Rams. Baker Mayfield, I'm keeping a close eye on him. Mike Florio is keeping a close eye on Baker Mayfield to the Raiders. I'm I'm just telling you, you heard him. That wasn't me. That was Mike Florio. So the Raiders are now the topic of conversation going forward at the quarterback position in the entire NFL. I think the two cities that are going after each other are the New York Jets and the Las Vegas Raiders. I think that we can all assume that they're interested in Aaron Rodgers, It will take a lot of balls to make that call. But the thing for Aaron Rodgers is he's going from the tougher, he's going into the the fire in the AFC. For Derek Carr to get out of the AFC, I think that's going to be good for Derek. For Aaron Rodgers to get out of the NFC, which is easier, and go to the AFC behind Justin Herbert, Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, Josh Allen. Hey, man, everybody tread lightly. You come into this AFC with Russell Wilson and Sean Payton, And whatever happens here, you better have a plan in place because these AFC quarterbacks are the real deal. I'm talking about young potential and a few guaranteed Hall of Famers who aren't even 30 years old. I can stand here today and guarantee you that Patrick Mahomes and Joe Burrow are going to the Hall of Fame. That's not a reach. Of course, if Joe doesn't get injured, and I don't root uh, injuries on anybody. And look at the numbers that Herbert and Josh Allen are putting up. A lot of other people want to run from the AFC because they want the easier road. I mean, who's the best new quarterback in the NFC? Jalen Hurts? Yeah, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts is very good, but he was a second-round pick. So we're talking about the quarterback scenario. Tiger Woods is at even par. Uh, that I got a lot to say on Tiger, so give me a moment on that. If you want to dial up, we got Johnny Katz at the bottom of the hour. But anything on this Derek Carr to the Jets potential and how it affects Aaron Rodgers 
to the Raiders. We'll take your calls at 702-365-9200. So the, the thing on Tiger Woods today, he started at two under, he's at even. So I think he's going to make the cut. The cut line's going to be either even or one over. This is, if you got kids in the car and they're really young, you can kind of take a break from me for a minute and come back. But I got to bring this up. Tiger Woods had such a bad look yesterday during the round. He took a tampon out of his golf bag and gave it to Justin Thomas because he outdrove him on a hole. What a bad and reckless look that was from Tiger Woods. I'm not saying cancel him. This isn't a cancer culture thing. But what he did was so reckless. He's the host of the event at Riviera. He's the host. It's the Tiger Woods Genesis. And he did that. And Tiger's the father of a daughter. Tiger's had problems with the sponsorship because of his behavior with women. Justin Thomas got in trouble a year ago because he used a homophobic slur. So Tiger's out driving Justin Thomas yesterday. And instead of saying, hey, Alice, you hit from the ladies' tees or whatever, Tiger Woods actually took out a tampon and made fun of him and dropped, and Justin Thomas dropped it. So the media got a picture of it. And Tiger's going to have to answer that question in a few minutes after this round. So I had Bob Harrigan from Sports Illustrated an hour ago, and he brought that up as he's going to that press conference. So again, I'm not looking to cancel Tiger Woods. I just think that I needed to make you aware of what that storyline is for Tiger Woods because of everything that he's gone through and it's juvenile behavior and all of that, but he's got a brand. You know, at 45 years old, that's a decision. That's something that a 21-year-old would make or some guy playing in a fraternity golf tournament. Not Tiger Woods at the Genesis at Hogan's Alley. So that's a big deal. And then the final topic that I'd love to get you to react to if you can. Today's the birthday of two of the greatest athletes of all time. Jim Brown, who's been a mentor to me. I had an exclusive with him on the radio for four years. Been to his home. I love the guy. He had a big impact on my life. And Michael Jordan. So Jim Brown today is 87 and Michael Jordan is 60. If you look at the greatest athletes of all time, I mean forever, they are both on the top five. Jim Brown is the most dominant football player to ever play football, period. Just like Babe Ruth in his era was the most dominant baseball player. I didn't say the best, the most dominant. For about 20 or 30 years until Joe Montana came along and a guy by the name of Jerry Rice, Jim Brown for 20 to 30 years was considered the greatest football player ever. I consider him still there. I put him number one. But now I have to put Brady ahead of him, PR-wise, because Brady's got seven Super Bowls. And then when it comes to Michael Jordan, I would put Michael Jordan number one right now. But I, I think LeBron James, as I've talked about, is coming for him. Because LeBron James is surpassing him statistically. LeBron's got plenty of rings. He's got four. Jordan's got six. Jordan didn't make the NBA Finals when LeBron was in two different eras. So we can debate that forever, but it's their birthdays today. And for you, if you just want to call in quickly on either one of those gentlemen, and especially Michael Jordan on the impact that he had on your life from apparel, sneakers, fashion, to the way he played, legacy, dynasty, all of that. So that's what I think is really cool today. Two of the all-time greats have the same birthday. Happy birthday to Jim Brown. I got a good story to tell coming up. And happy birthday to the GOAT, Michael Jordan, as we open up the show. George Sedano, 
will join us from ESPN LA and Johnny Katz at the bottom of the hour. We're going to do a little entertainment in Vegas on a Friday. We have Katz on every couple of weeks. He's going to tell you what's happening here, plus the lookout of Super Bowl, because Katz is already writing about it, and he's got a great relationship with Mark Davis, Allegiant Stadium, the entertainment here in town. So we'll talk to Katz coming up here on the other side. Monologue brought to you by Remy Martin, Team Up for Excellence. We thank Remy Martin for their Super Bowl contribution and getting us out to Radio Row in Phoenix as they did an unbelievable job. At uh, Talk Brick, uh, JT the Brick, if you want to get through via uh, social media, Facebook is up and running along with our Twitter right here. So that's where we are as we open up the show. When we come back, Katz in about 10, 12 minutes. More of the Goats and Jim Brown and the impact that he had on the Raiders and on my life. And it's an Al Davis story. It's one of my favorite stories to tell, and I tell it once a year. And I'll tell you that in about five minutes. We are the flagship of the Silver and Black. This is Raider Nation Radio on a Friday. If he is that sensitive that he gets upset that people, reporters, opinion makers, uh, influencers, whoever, want to talk about him, he is going to struggle in New York. And I don't know if it's the right fit for him. I don't know if I want him in New York if this is going to be his reaction to things that don't matter. When you're doing something that feels odd, to normal society, which is going to sit in a cabin in the woods for four days in complete sensory uh, isolation. It's just kind of, we're going to talk about it. That's Tiki Barber on his CBS radio show on Aaron Rodgers and some of the kookiness. I'm very careful because Aaron Rodgers might be the quarterback of the Raiders, and I'd like the opportunity to work with him. So I use that. If, if Aaron Rodgers and they, Boomer Esiason said the same thing at Derek Carr. Boomer Esiason, CBS, same thing, said Carr wouldn't make it in New York because of how tough the New York media is. JT, back with you, brought to you by Grimaldi's. Best pizza I've ever had. John Castellamitis, Johnny Katz joins us. It's our entertainment portion of the show, which we desperately need because... We're in the entertainment capital of the world. Katz, I'm back from Super Bowl. How are you, my friend? How are you doing, sir? Good to be with you. I am doing great. Thanks for coming on. I want to begin with Mark Wahlberg. From seeing him at Bishop Gorman to the summit or where he is in movies, what's the impact of Marky Mark, Mark Wahlberg in Vegas? Well, right now he's caused a, he's caused quite a stir. You know, he's, he's uh, filming his new movie on location around town. It's called The Family Plan. And he has been at Aria and up at uh, Caesar's Palace and uh, at the Luxor and Hoover Dam. And last night he was in the neighborhood at, uh, and yesterday at the, at the plaza. And he's, you know, Mark has said, Wahlberg has said that he wants to turn uh, Las Vegas famously into Hollywood 2.0 and build a studio facility here and really uh, move his empire full tilt, his entire entrepreneur uh, universe to Las Vegas, and this is uh, the, the start of it. He's making a, at least part of this movie uh, in town. So, yeah, there's sightings of him, you know, inside the, um, the plaza last night. And uh, we'll see. We'll see how much Las Vegas is in this movie. 
Uh, there's no release date set yet, but um, Las Vegas will be figured uh, somewhat in this movie. The, the synopsis of this is a former top assassin living incognito as a suburban mm. dad must take his unsuspecting <laughs> family on the run when his past catches up to him. So, yeah, that's what's going on here. It's a comedy drama. So, yeah, this is this is it. very. This is very interesting to me because over the years with movies and especially Netflix now and streaming with Prime, they're making all these movies and a lot of Hollywood actors say it was Georgia. Then it was all the time Vancouver, as you know. Everybody was going to Vancouver. I love the fit Uh in Vegas because of the tax ramifications with no state taxes. And I think Hollywood would like that with a private jet flight for 25 minutes to 35 minutes to get to Vegas. Do you really think this is conceivable where one guy, because this was Frank Sinatra, the Rat Pack, there's been a lot of other actors, Nicolas Cage, who's a friend of yours. Others have done movies here, but why could this uh, you know, blow up into something much bigger and become reality? Well, it's a, it's a rare moment, JT, that we have an A-lister who's at his commercial peak uh, making this type of effort in Las Vegas. We have, you know, this is somebody who's, who knows his way around the front of the camera, the behind the camera, the whole business end of it. Um, you know, so, you know, most of the film history in Las Vegas has been occasional shoots here and, and movies that have been set in Las Vegas with, with Las Vegas as, as the setting, you know. Um, so I'm interested to see, you know, they always mention the tax, no state tax. They like that. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll just see how friendly the city is um, in, in terms of its infrastructure and its business relationships and incentives. They like incentives when they come here, you know, uh, tax incentives to, to uh, move a business here. He wants to create that. You know, the, the best comparison I can make is Todd Fisher, who's Debbie Reynolds' uh, son and Carrie Fisher's brother. He has his uh, film f- facilities here in Las Vegas as well and has been working on this uh, for quite some time, too. So, we'll, you know, it's just another appendage, right? It's just another way for Las Vegas to, to you know, uh, further evolve as, as the entertainment destination worldwide. It's sports, it's movies, maybe, you know, coming up. So, And, and I'm, I'm interested to see what uh, Mark Wahlberg has planned uh, for the long term here in Las Vegas. Johnny Katz joins us. Follow his column. Follow him all the time. He's our entertainment guy at Johnny Katz, K-A-T-S. All right, Bill Maher's coming in, and I often don't agree with all of his politics, but he's got a podcast now where he smokes pot live during it. He gets other guys to smoke with him, and I see it on Reels, and I catch it all the time on my timeline on Facebook, and it's really deep and entertaining, and he's pretty good. He's playing here again as a stand-up comic. How has his show evolved? You know, you know, Bill Maher has, has had a long history in Las Vegas dating to the early 80s. You know, Bill Maher has been around Las Vegas a lot at the, at the old Desert Inn, uh, the Riviera, the uh, uh, Circus Maximus at Caesars Palace. He told me about that gig. His introductory into Las Vegas was opening for Diana Ross in the early 80s. Mm. Uh, you know, <laughs> he's... He's 67 years old, Bill Maher. He's no spring chicken when it comes to this kind of thing. He has historically wanted to produce uh, a show that um, touches on the the type of political um, commentary that is famous on his HBO show and his podcast. You know, he's moved his uh, overtime uh, YouTube piece to CNN uh, now. Mm -hmm. So he's on on a major uh, news uh, cable network, cable channel. Um, and I think you'll see, you know, what Bill Maher has done in, in talking to him, he's tried to become more centrist in his um, opinions and in, in, in how he describes himself politically. He says he's an old school liberal, but he's not woke. 
and he will take after people who are to, who have taken woke in his terms to ridiculous levels. So he does try to say his quote that I pulled out of this uh, the piece that I have in Neon in the Neon magazine in the Review Journal is I plan to antagonize both sides. And if you either antagonize both sides or appeal to both sides, you reason that you will probably gain a generally uh, um, more favorable audience overall. We'll see how that works out. You know, he's been heckled here in Las Vegas before. Uh, he has had, you know, his his uh, opinions are not met with the great uh, entire audience every time mm-hmm. out. But, um, you know, a lot of these comics don't want to go there. Whoopi Goldberg, I, I interviewed about four years ago, and she said she, she talks politics all day. When she comes to Las Vegas, she's going to do her, her comedy. She's not going to delve into it. So there's a, there are different, you know, courses of action when you come into Las Vegas, which obviously is a mixed bag to begin with, you know. But I, it's the first time for him at the Hollywood Theater, or at the, I'm sorry, the David Copperfield Theater, the former Hollywood Theater. So, um, and this hits to the future of Aces, uh, at the Mirage, the Aces and Comedy series is, you know, changing, and he's a former Mirage guy. He won't be there anymore. A lot. There's a lot connected to this Bill Maher uh, uh, premiere mm-hmm. Friday and Saturday at MGM Grand. We're wrapping it up with Johnny Katz, Billy Idol playing at the Hoover Dam. I have a lot of a lot of respect for Billy Idol. He's put on some big shows in his career. This Hoover Dam move is really unique. I got to assume there's going to be some drones flying over the dam, and there's got to be some really cool acoustics going on here. Tell me a little bit about this. I hope there are drones because this is going to be a very restricted uh, uh, audience. And, uh, 250 guests are going to be allowed to see this show, so you've got ex- you know expensive and extensive VIP packages running between $1,500 and $2,200 a piece to see Billy mm. Idol, but his message his message is to draw attention to the severe drought that we're experiencing in the West. So we'll see. He's going to be up there with Steve uh, Stevens. It sounds like an acoustic set to me, what they've okay. got planned. I hope they do do some drone stuff. I said the projection quality of this show, the potential, is astonishing when you think of the surface of Hoover Dam. Um, so, yeah, and I've seen, uh, you know, as you have, I saw Billy Idol the first time ever in 1982 at Acker Gym in Chico, California. Hello. <laughs> So, you know, Aaron Rodgers' hometown, by the way. I went to the same high school as Aaron Rodgers. You mentioned him earlier. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you know, I get that, too. Um, so he's he's got a long history. He's got a huge fan base. He's got a big platform and a great message. So, And this is the first time they've done anything like this out of Hoover Dam. So that's going to be on uh, April 8th is when Ellis is going to come down. Okay. Hey, last one, I think, and I've been talking about it with you. I think this is going to be the biggest year in the history of Las Vegas because the F1 and the buildup – the build-up for the Super Bowl, because the Super Bowl is until 24, but this year is the build-up. But you two, being the residency at the Sphere, and the fact that we saw the first Super Bowl commercial for that, I'm a big U2 fan. This is monstrosity. I'm all for Bruno Mars, Celine, Adele. I love the residencies here in Vegas. But you two at the Sphere, as everybody wants to get inside the Sphere and see what it looks like, which will be the number one concert venue in the world, what can you tell us about U2 and their commitment to play Las Vegas? Well, the commitment is they're going to open on a, a September, late September, I think September 29th and 30th are the first dates, the weekend dates that they've, uh, that's, those are the dates I've been hearing consistently for months about U2, and they finally committed uh, to opening the Sphere on uh, in September, and U2 is going to be here in the fall, so they're opening it. It's going to be in September. We know that. Uh, it's going to be uh, pegged to Octung Baby, the 1991 mm-hmm. album. So, you know, roughly the anniversary of that uh, release. They want to do something special with that. The commercial and the trailer that they uh, issued in the Super Bowl had the baby in it. 
um, I think we're going to see, uh, as the band says, something like we've never seen before. You know, we have projections around the, the uh, body of the sphere inside, 360 degrees. Uh, the band will be playing without Larry Mullen Jr. for the first time in its history Ooh. in a show like this. That is going to cause some uh, blowback from fans. It already is, actually. I'm hearing from fans saying, how, how can they possibly do something like this without Larry, uh, their founding drummer? Uh, so there's going to be a, there a lot. There's going to be a total of six weekends, non-consecutively, over 12 dates. The band, I hear, is getting a million dollars guaranteed every show and 90% of the face value of the ticket sales. So we have to see what the ticket point prices are going to be, but they could be about $300 a piece mm-hmm. for 17,500 seats. It's, it's no small effort. It's a big... Wait effort. a second. Wait a second. How, how, wait a second. How big is that theater, the sphere? How many seats? That, it's at least 17,500 for a proper show. And oh. Lucas Watson, the out, now outgoing uh, president, told me it, was, it would be standing room only 18,600. Um, so yeah, a lot, a lot of lift. They're going to do a theatrical production in there as their anchor show, uh, mm-hmm. far more than the resident headliners. They're going to have between four and six resident kind of headliners going that are in the same range as U2. And, um, although U2 is not calling this a residency, but yeah, they're going to yeah. do a lot more than just, uh, superstars. And, uh, okay. you know, we, uh, we're, we're hearing a lot of names out there being thrown around Harry Styles, uh, Right, uh, Billy Joel play has been thrown. Billy Joel has been thrown around. I had heard Rihanna until Super Bowl Sunday. I, I don't mm-hmm. think she's going to be uh, doing anything like this for the foreseeable future. But that, that you know, those are the that's the range of performers that are, are going to okay. play fair uh, in the next couple of years. Thank you, my friend. Always love your entertainment. It's not an entertainment minute. That was about fourteen minutes. So I owe you fourteen <laughs> minutes of good times. Uh, I'll talk to you over the weekend. I'll be out and about. Uh, appreciate you coming on. Okay. I'll see you out there, JT. Thanks. You got it. That's Johnny Katz. Really appreciate him coming on. So, again, we want to take you behind the scenes of Vegas if we can, for those who are listening to us not in Vegas. So, James Dolan, the owner of the Knicks, my nemesis, because he owns my basketball team, and and he's a terrible owner. I got to be careful on this one because he opens up the sphere. And the Sphere will probably be, see, I'm, I'm pro Allegiant Stadium, so if you want to go to a rock show, Rolling Stones, Metallica, I want it in Allegiant Stadium because I, I want to see rock concerts, and we're running out of rock concerts. We're running out of bands, but I want to see them at Allegiant Stadium. Then we got T-Mobile. T-Mobile can hold about, what is it, 20000 for a concert? And then you got 18000 at the Sphere. I mean, what's going on in this town, everybody? You can go to a con- MGM Grand Garden, everything that's coming up here, you could have a week, the week of the Super Bowl in Las Vegas, you could have three to four headliners playing Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, heading into the Super Bowl. You see what we're doing here and how crazy it is? The Sphere opening up with U2, and I heard Billy Joel. That's going to be Billy Joel's home theater. He's got Madison Square Garden. He's under contract with the same guy out here at the Sphere. And I'm a big Billy Joel guy. Thanks to Johnny Katz for joining us. George Sedano. From ESPN Los Angeles, LeBron James, everything that's happening in the NBA heading into All-Star Weekend, and more on the Raiders quarterback as we continue, brought to you by the 872 Laborers, led by Tommy White.
Still a slow putt here. Got to give it a pretty good whack. Great putt. Back-to-back birdies for Tiger Woods. Tiger, not on the leaderboard per se, but I'll give you an update coming up here in a little bit, JT, plus my Jim Brown tribute at the top of the hour. Happy birthday to Michael Jordan and Jim Brown. Uh, Nice that he could jump on with us really quickly as he's traveling, part of the All-Star Game festivities for ESPN. George Sedano from ESPN and ESPN 710 in Los Angeles. And George, a great day to talk sports with you, especially down the road at Riviera. How are you? No question, JT. Great to hear from you. And yeah, you you kind of bring it full circle to me because Tiger's accident was minutes from my house. I drive down that road every single day. I, I drive past where that accident was pretty much every single day. And to see him back on a golf course, I mean, alive, obviously, first and foremost, but to see him back on a golf course, It's just incredible to see. You know, George, and it's a GOAT day because you know the impact. We worked together for a long time that Jim Brown had on my life and the relationship I built with him. And he's 87, and it's Jordan's 60th today, and the GOAT, other than Jack, is Tiger, and he's playing golf not too far from you today. I want to stay with the NBA with you and Jordan at 60 and the legacy. Just made the $10 million donation to make a wish and is the legacy in your mind getting bigger and bigger as he steps away and been away from the game on the court or is it kind of shrinking a tiny bit because LeBron James is playing in your city in Los Angeles and he's coming on strong well I think with Michael Jordan there's this unique perspective now that younger people who didn't get a chance to see him play live at least got to see that documentary we all saw a couple of years ago and I think that that certainly helps kind of perpetuate the myth of Michael Jordan, you know, and just the mythology surrounding him, which is all deserved, obviously, for numerous reasons. And I also think that the Jordan brand has never been stronger. He has aligned himself with a lot of great athletes in that particular realm, and I think that that certainly helps continue to foster the belief of what a great athlete he was, which he deserves because he was one of the greatest athletes I've ever seen play any sport. George Sedano from ESPN. I don't do much. I really don't, as you know, a lot of Jordan versus LeBron unless it comes up. And today it comes up because it's Jordan's birthday and he's the GOAT. And then LeBron passed the scoring title. You were there. You know all about that. The score, all-time scoring title for LeBron. When we look back 10 years from now, how much is that going to add to his legacy? Because, George, he's lapping Michael Jordan statistically. He's not passing him. He's putting such distance behind Jordan that I believe stats really matter when you compare the all-time greats. Yeah, I I think so. And I think that LeBron will be in that discussion, certainly. And I think that only adds uh, a chapter to what already is an incredible book on LeBron James. I just think that when I look at LeBron, and this is the way I distinguish the two, I think Jordan has the better resume because it's cleaner in the sense of he never lost when he got to the finals. But if you look at LeBron, first of all, I would say he's the most gifted basketball player I've ever seen in regards to if you were building a basketball player, it would be LeBron James because he's got the court vision of a Magic Johnson and that kind of size, the athleticism of a Michael Jordan, and he's built like Karl Malone. So you couldn't build a better basketball player than LeBron James if you tried. But I think that the argument will always be the the resume. And 
while I think that LeBron, outside of one finals, was basically the underdog in the ones he lost, that one Dallas series will always Mm -hmm. haunt him. And I was there for it. And I don't think he can even explain uh, properly what happened there back then. And I think that when you're playing in the margins, which is what we're doing here when we're comparing these type of athletes, I think that some people will hold that against him for sure. George Sedano, ESPN. One of the favorite topics I like talking about is the deconstruction of rosters and sports during the season. Back in the day, you had to wait till the offseason. Then you got rid of players, you didn't re-sign them, you rebuilt your team. I've never seen anything like this in the NBA. You get to the point, you know, two months into the season, you're Durant, you're Harden, you're Russell Westbrook. Everybody wants to blow up these rosters. And they don't wait to the end of the season because these players now are so entitled to have the power to move on and do what they want. They can force their way out. They can make noise to say, I don't like it here, move me. What happened with the Lakers here? I thought they did a great job at the trade deadline to deconstruct this roster and give them a chance to get back into this. They did an excellent job at the trade deadline. There's no question Rob Pelinka deserves credit for that, their general manager, but he also needs to take the brunt of the criticism for building what I thought were two of the worst rosters I've seen around LeBron James since he left Cleveland the first time. And I think that he's not the only person that should take that kind of grief uh, because obviously the Russell Westbrook situation felt like a collaboration between LeBron and the front office. But there was another offseason after that. (laughs) So the fact that it took this long to figure that out, and I know people can argue about, well, they would have had to have attached more assets, et cetera, et cetera, and he only gave up one real asset in this scenario. Sure, I I get that. They're not my assets, so I I don't have an issue trading them. I'm a big believer of when you make a mistake, you try to correct it as quickly as possible, and you figure out whatever it takes to do that. So. And, and again, I also believe in windows in sports because you and I have seen this for a long time now that your window is never as big as you think it is with a particular team. And LeBron James is 38 years old, so there's not going to be that many more years of him averaging 30 points a game. So you might as well take advantage of it as quickly as possible. Because, JT, if this Laker roster that they have right now would have been the roster even just a few months ago, let alone October, mm-hmm. this team is a playoff team. We're not even talking about them being the 13th seed and trying to get in the play-in. It's a legit playoff team because the pieces around LeBron and AD fit right. George Sedano, two more before he has to go. We wrap it up here on Mad Dog. First, Jason Tatum, I was really disappointed that he got an all-star break before the all-star break. Now, you know this stuff bothers me more than most. Load management, we've been on the air roughly the same time. I can't handle it. And Tatum, he might have been a little under the weather, whatever it was. But it almost looked like the Celtics, who we can debate as the best team in all of basketball, wanted to almost shut him down, not have him travel, which drives me nuts, and say, hey, we'll get to you after the all-star break. And his hero was Kobe. And Kobe never would have done that like the players do that today. So how do I come to grips on Tatum and your overall opinion of load management this particular season compared to years past? Well, look, I'll just, you know, I never finished answering your question actually about just kind of the way movement happens, right? And I think that they're kind of correlated in some way, shape, or form. I just think that in regards to players today, and it's not just players. The, the, the blame needs to go on the organizations too, right, and the training staffs because I think that there's more information out there. And blame is actually not even the right word. There's more information out there. So because of that, people are extra cautious because we've seen 
as time goes by, you're playing these games at a much faster pace than teams used to. There's way more possessions, which means guys are putting more miles on it. And I know that's really granular, but the reality is it's that, right? And I also think that defense has become more challenging in the NBA today than it's ever been because you've got to guard guys like Steph and Dame and Clay, and there's a bunch of guys that can shoot it from 30-some-odd feet. So you've got to guard more space. So I think these guys have put their bodies in a much more challenging position, even though there's less, quote-unquote, physicality. But there needs to be more athleticism in today's game. So, you know, I think all of that, right, the information about players' availability and their contracts, right, when it comes to the conversation you were asking me about earlier, I think is similar to this, which the answer is there's just more information. And with more information, there's going to be more opinions on what to do with said information. So whether it's player movement or whether it's management of injuries, I think all of that applies. Last one for George Sedano, ESPN. Help me through this Durant issue. You know, this ring chaser topic we've talked about, and everybody can be a ring chaser. It's a different era. I get it. Everybody wants to win. This one bothers me because I'm not a Kyrie guy, and I think he inflamed that franchise. Harden saw the dysfunction and got out quickly to get to Philadelphia. Why couldn't Durant stick it out for Joe Sy and the Brooklyn fans and say, we're going to break this down again. I'm the ultimate recruiter. I'm Kevin bleeping Durant. Give me one offseason. I'll get two guys to come here. And now Durant shows up in a better scenario again, from Seattle to Oklahoma City to the Warriors to going to Brooklyn and now Phoenix. How can I come to grips on what Durant is doing with his career with all this movement? You know, look, JT, I, I, I don't have any issues with Kevin Durant. Um, I get what you're saying, but the reality is he didn't want to be there from the beginning. And if you, I don't know this because I don't know Kevin, and I don't know um, – I mean, I don't know him like that other than whatever – cordial interview scenarios I've been in in the past. But my understanding is based on what others have reported is that he went to Brooklyn because that's where Kyrie wanted to be. And he went there and much like he went to Golden State because he was recruited there. um, I think that this is the type of person he is. He just wants to go out there and play basketball at the highest level possible. Like, I don't think he actually cares a lot about the recruiting aspect of it. That's just my Mm 30,000-foot view on it. Uh, with him, because again, I don't, I'm not close with him. I don't know that many people that are close with him, to be honest with you. Um, he kind of does his own thing. And I think that his own thing means he just wants to play basketball. I would not equate this scenario, though, to the one that people like to you know, discuss, which I, I think is also silly, with Golden State. Because, you know what, <laughs> we can get real um, picky about this and talk about kind of the guys that joined Jordan late in their career. Um, and we could talk about the super teams that those second three championships had. We could talk about the Boston Celtics, and people can say that, well, they didn't choose to play together, but they did force their way there, kind of be a trade in some cases. So, like, this stuff has happened in the NBA forever. It's just more out in the open, and it's done differently these days than it was in the previous iteration or differently from the previous iteration beyond that as well. So, or after that, for that matter. So, I just think that Kevin Durant going to Phoenix, there's no guarantee he wins a championship there. Whereas with Golden State, there, there, there was definitely a feeling of, oh, my God, they're stacking the deck, even though nothing is guaranteed because we just talked about LeBron, Wade, and Bosh, who everyone thought would break the uh, all-time wins record that first season, flame out in the finals. So no, nothing is guaranteed. I think that he's in a good scenario. He's now teamed up with a guy in Devin Booker, 
and this is not a knock on Kyrie because I think Kyrie is one of the most talented basketball players there is, but his lack of availability or dependability, depending on how you view it, is certainly uh, up for debate. But with Devin Booker, that is not the case. (laughs) Devin Booker loves basketball. Devin Booker eats, breathes, and sleeps basketball. Much like Kevin Durant likes to try to eat, breathe, and sleep basketball, except the Brooklyn scenario was just such a mess for a multitude of reasons. It was rare that they could focus on basketball. That will be the case in Phoenix. They've got a steady head coach in Monty Williams who's coached to the finals and has been a veteran coach for a long time. They've got a guy in Chris Paul who's at the end of his career, who's trying to win a championship, who's one of the best point guards we've ever seen, and now doesn't have to carry a, a large burden. He just has to be the ultimate distributor for those two guys and the other guys around them. I, I actually think that that scenario he's put himself in, um, while it's better than Brooklyn, I, I don't think it's a, a slam dunk, pun intended, that they win anything there. Take care, my friend. Always a pleasure to talk to you. Best to your family. I hope to see you real soon. All right, brother. Thanks for having me on. Have a great show. Thank you, George. George Sedano. Nice to get that hit as he's a part of the All-Star Game coverage and the NBA All-Star Games, a big part of Americana in sports. Like it or not, these are the biggest athletes in our country, along with some football players. The All-Star Game is a big deal. That hour flew by. Uh, My tribute to Jim Brown on his 87th birthday coming up. You want to dial and get in here on the quarterback scenario and what's happening. And I think by the end of this show, or during Q's show, Eric Bieniemy will get hired by the Washington Commanders, not as the head coach, but the offensive coordinator. What's wrong with that scenario? I'll tell you that next. JT, brought to you by Modelo. My bucket of Modelo's in over an hour.